Queer Money Bingo is coming live to Denver, Colorado on Thursday, June 13th at the downtown Capital One Cafe. To sign up for your door prizes, pride sunglasses, free coffee, more swag, fun, and games, go to queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour. You're listening to Queer Money episode 203. Today, we're taking another question from you. We've got a question from a young woman who is in a very enviable position, who seems like she has it all, yet is missing something really important. She's missing long-term financial goals. We make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer it in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. The Defrey Guys want to encourage you to exercise extra caution right now, as there have been an increased number of fraud, phishing, and other scams during the COVID-19 crisis. The foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke, is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. A bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score powered by Experian Boost and watch your credit score improve by 5 to 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. Now, on with the show. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. Today's question, as I mentioned in the outset, comes from someone who is in a very enviable position. It comes from Alyssa. She emailed us at questions at debtfreeguys.com, and this is what Alyssa says. She says, I earn a substantial amount of money beyond what I need, $4,000 a month, but I have very few financial goals at this point. I don't have any debt and I have a net worth of about $140,000. I'm 25. I think I'm doing pretty good. I'll say you're doing good. <laughs> I think you're doing great. I, yeah, I wish I had been at that point. Uh, she continues, but I don't aim to own a home anytime soon, and nearly all travel for me and my partner is paid for by my employer. Again, nice. that's fantastic. You're in a very enviable position. She continues, in the meantime, I probably hold too much cash, almost two years worth of expenses for me. That's awesome. That's really good that you have that much saved up, especially during these times right now. She continues, but I currently invest all extra money beyond what I spend. I keep opening new accounts when I feel nervous about all my eggs being in one basket. I have a robo-advised account with Wealthfront, Fidelity, and now Betterment too. I guess I just feel pretty lost when it comes to what to do with my extra money each month since I don't have specific goals. Any advice or suggestions you may have would be greatly appreciated. Well, first of all, Alyssa, like I said, many people here are probably jealous of your situation. You have an opportunity that many of us really, really wish we had, uh, right? I mean, you not only have the opportunity to pick what your dreams are to chase after, but in your case, it sounds like you have money to be able to fund those kinds of dreams. We all would love to be in that situation. <laughs> exactly. So it sounds like Alyssa has a challenge that many people her age and even some considerably older have, and that is that they lack a long-term financial goal. But how is it that so many people can, can lack a long-term financial goal? What is the case behind that? Why is that happening? Well, we've deduced it down to basically three groups, and sometimes these can overlap, but very often people think that, well, you know, 
long-term financial goals, they're 10, 20, 30 years out in the future. That's too far away to think about. I don't want to concern myself with that today. And very often, retirement seems so far away until it's today. And then people get scared because they don't have enough saved for retirement. Another example is that oftentimes people will say, you know what, I'll do fine. Things will just work out for me. You know, we'll just let things go as they go. And and I'm sure that when all is said and done, I'll be doing well. Yeah, I, I think those two, we've seen evidence of those two, not only from the community of people that we have worked with or talked to in the Career Money Facebook group, but in, but in also a lot of other groups that are LGBT focused that we've talked to or seen evidence of this. It seems to be a very common thing of not looking out into the future in our community. Exactly. And it's, it's a very Russian roulette strategy to have with your financial future. And then there's the group who says, you know what, who knows where I'll be one, three, 20 years from now. I could be anywhere. Things will change and there's no way to really plan accordingly. And so they just dismiss it. And there might be, like I said, some overlap amongst these three excuses, but very often this kind of encapsulates pretty much everybody who's lacking a long-term financial goal. It kind of reminds me, I think, in this situation of that saying that uh, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, right? Exactly. Well, that's what I was just going to say. You know, if you don't know where you're headed, you'll likely not end up where you want to be. You know, if you're living in New York City and you're trying to get to San Francisco, most people, if they're going to drive from one city to the other, need to have a map and need to have directions. Most people can't do that blindly. Otherwise, they'll end up, you know, in Texas or, or Canada. And, you know, that's not where they want to end up. They want to end up in San Francisco. And I think it's kind of funny because without a plan, you're hopping on the road and you start driving and you don't even know where you want to end up. You're definitely not going to necessarily end up in a place where you really want to be. <laughs> right. You could, you could end up anywhere. And, and the, the challenge is that so often we get emails from folks who say that they're at retirement age or they're beyond retirement age, but they aren't prepared to retire financially and they can't do so. Or they're, they're afraid they're going to have to go into some sort of government assisted living or they're going to have to go into a nursing home not of their choosing. And you know that's kind of the fear factor end of the spectrum, but that, that is a reality for lots of people. And so that's why long-term financial planning is very important. So what is long-term financial planning? Well, David and I kind of capture financial planning. We break them down into four different timelines. The first is immediate and daily. So these are our financial goals that, uh, and strategies that you can achieve within a day to a week's time. And that's you know, paying your reoccurring bills and cutting your expenses when you go to the grocery store so you have more money left over at the end of the week uh, and then simultaneously at the end of the month. The next duration is short-term financial goals. And those are goals that you can usually achieve within one month to a year or so. And that's, you know, an example would be to save $500 for an emergency savings fund or to get on the budget and start using it. Another would be to open an investing account and start funding it, start investing. And then finally, another would be, you know, setting up a direct deposit to start funding these accounts automating some of your finances. These are little things that can easily be done and you can tackle them pretty quickly. And if you did enough of them over a month to a year, you'd be rock solid with your financial situation. Then there's the medium financial goals and those take anywhere from two to four years. And examples of that would be you know, saving for a down payment on a home uh, or paying all of your credit card debt, which we're huge advocates of. Um, and another might be to save and take an all cash vacation. That'd be yeah. awesome. Nice. <laughs> uh, and then long-term financial goals are typically those that take anywhere from 10 to 20 years to achieve. And those would be you know, paying off student loan debt or saving a million dollars or more for retirement uh, for something that's, that's way out there in the future for yourself. 
So as usual anymore, we did a Queer Money poll because we wanted to hear what the broader audience had to say around this topic. And so I'll let David take it over. Yeah. So we are always curious as to what your goals are. I mean, we, John and I have talked about a number of times on this podcast, our goals are to save for retirement, to travel with cash or on cash instead of using credit cards and to give back to the community. But we know that, that there are lots of other types of goals out there. So we asked in the group what some of your goals are. What are your goals? And we didn't, in this particular case, bound it by time. The reason for that is we just kind of wanted to get a general idea of what people have as goals. So our question was, what are your biggest financial goals? And we had 48 people respond to this poll, which was great. We had a, a, this is one, again, one of our top responded to polls. So number one, 17 folks who responded to this said that they wanted to pay off credit card debt. Love that. 12 people said that they wanted to reach financial independence and retire early. Five said that they wanted to save for a big vacation. Nice. Doing that with cash is great. Four people said buy a home. Four people said pay off student loan debt. And four people said retire on schedule, which is great. That's perfect that people are thinking about their future and when they want to retire. So obviously, there's some long-term planning going on there. Then one person each said that they wanted to start a business and have kids. Now, of course, when we look at these numbers, John and I love the fact that 35% of people are focusing on paying off their debt, or at least that's what they say their number one goal is, is to pay off their credit card debt. The reason we love this is because without paying off that credit card debt, that high interest credit card debt, it's harder to achieve a lot of the other financial goals that you want to achieve. And that's why we love this fact that more people are focused on doing that. The other nice thing is that 25 people said they were focused on this medium to long-term plan to reach financial independence. The great thing about that is they are thinking about these longer-term, medium to longer-term goals, depending on where you're at, maybe you've already started working towards financial independence or FIRE, then you are maybe on the medium-term, but others may be on the long-term. So it's great to see that these are the kinds of goals that people are thinking about. So what exactly should Alyssa do? Well, David and I came up with seven suggestions for Alyssa's specific situation. Uh, these don't necessarily need to be done in any order and any, any sequence, but unless you're only able to do one or two, we would definitely recommend doing the first and second at the, at the least. I say the least, but it's not least at all. Because our first recommendation is to max out your 401k, which as of 2020, you can put up to $19,500 into a 401k that maximum will only likely increase. So for example, if you put $19,500 into your 401k this year alone, and you get an average annual return of 7%, in 45 years, you'll have over $400,000. That's just with one contribution of $19,500. Now, if you're able to do that year over year, that's gonna grow exponentially. Our second recommendation is to then max out your Roth IRA, which you can, as of 2020, put in up to $6,000 a year if you're under the age of 50, or $7,000 if you're 50 years of age or older. If you want to understand the nuances between Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs and whether or not you qualify for a Roth IRA, we recommend that you listen to Queer Money episode number 194, which gives you all the details of everything you need to know about traditional and Roth IRAs. And then three, we recommend creating at least one medium and at least one long-term goal. Set up separate accounts to fund those goals. So for example, if you have a goal of 
increasing your net worth to $1 million. Set up an account for that and start funding it and investing in that so you can achieve that $1 million goal. Or if you uh, want to set a target fire number, a number that you want to target for when you actually retire early, or hopefully, or at least reach financial independence, set that goal and pick an account to be able to fund that goal for yourself. If you need some help figuring out what your goals are, we recommend going to debtfreeguys.com forward slash 203. And you can download our hopes and dreams exercise. It's a worksheet that will walk you through step-by-step of how you and maybe you and your partner can figure out what your short, medium, and long-term goals are. The Debt-Free Guys want to encourage you to remember to use mobile and virtual banking services during this time. Also, remember those who may not have grown up using these kinds of services and lend a hand wherever possible. So Alyssa, the first three things here really focused on you and your security, your long-term financial security. That's what we want to drive home as one of the important opportunities that you have here with earning this excess money or having more money than, than what you need to live on right now. That allows you to set yourself up for future security, which I think a lot of people right now are wishing that they had or hoping that what they have right now allows them to continue to have some level of security. Our fourth suggestion is thinking beyond yourself. You know, a lot of us love the fact that there are individuals both inside and outside of the LGBT community that can help support the organizations that provide services that so many in our community have to rely on. You know, whether that's something like a local LGBT center, a national suicide prevention hotline, or organizations that provide legal services to individuals who cannot afford them, those organizations rely on contributions from individuals that many of us forget that that's actually who's providing those contributions. You have the opportunity now to possibly be one of those individuals. And what we want to suggest here for point number four is that you think about setting up something called a donor-advised fund. Now, what's a donor-advised fund? Basically, a donor-advised fund is almost like a mini foundation. You set up an account. This is a vehicle that allows you to give money. You set up this account. It allows you to make a charitable contribution. And the year that you make this charitable contribution, you're able to take an immediate tax deduction. Now, in your situation, this may be of benefit to you. You may be at a point where your income has pushed you into one of the higher tax brackets. So taking this kind of deduction by giving is a great way to lower your taxes and be able to give back to the community. And the nice thing about these donor-advised funds is the money goes in, It is invested and allowed to grow over time, but at the same time, you then can choose or pick which organization or organizations that you want to have money go out of this account in the form of grants. It allows you to pick and support the organizations or the causes that are important to you. So please consider using this as a means for you to be able to give back to the community. So our fifth point here kind of ties into point number three, where we wanted you to set some medium and long-term goals, or at least one uh, medium and one long-term goal. Our fifth point here, we want you to meet with a fee-only financial advisor for at least one, but maybe multiple planning sessions so that you can set up a long-term investing strategy to achieve those 
medium and long-term goals. The only financial advisor, the benefit of doing that, one, they'll help you figure out how to reach those goals, but two, you're going to meet with this individual once, twice, maybe three times to set up that goal and strategy, and hopefully this is a something that's almost a set it and forget it kind of strategy, but then you don't have to continue to meet with this individual. You'll pay them based on those particular sessions that you meet with them rather than using a financial advisor that you invest with and continue to pay for. So it allows you to limit some of your fees here. Our sixth recommendation is to address your concern with having so much cash, and that is to move more of your money into actual investments. Even if you're going to more conservative investments, such as bonds or preferred stocks that pay a high dividend, you're going to lose money over time the more money that you have in cash because interest, money markets, savings accounts rates are barely keeping up with the rate of inflation. So over time, you're losing the value of your dollar. And so we want to encourage you to try to go into any kind of investments, even if that's bonds or preferred stocks. And now actually might be the right time to, yeah. to invest in those investments because with the coronavirus and the stock market now might be a really good buying opportunity. Is there a chance that things will go lower? Yes. But history has shown that by and large, the stock market continues to increase over time. So the market will eventually rebound. When that will happen, we don't exactly know, but there might be something for you to consider now. And then our seventh and final suggestion is for you to make sure that whatever cash you do hold on to is in the highest yielding savings accounts that you can find. Even if you want to look into getting short-term CDs where you're creating some cash to help pad your emergency savings, or at least whatever cash that you have is losing less money over time than it otherwise would. All right. So one of the things you asked us, Alyssa, was this idea about concerns of risk of having all your eggs in one basket. So we definitely want to address that. When it comes to your investments, one of the things to keep in mind is that all investments, besides putting cash into a bank account, all investments have a risk of loss. And you probably have experienced this with the recent bear market that started in February. So that's one thing to keep in mind is that your investments, there really isn't a way to prevent them from having some sort of risk of loss. But one thing that you're doing is is this idea of having different platforms, which is great. So having those different platforms, that doesn't necessarily protect you from these widespread drops or upswings, downswings in the market. What you are protected with when it comes to your investments All of your brokerage accounts, whether that's Fidelity or Betterment, whatever account you're investing in securities, there is something called SIPC insurance. And what is that? Well, this really kind of protects your securities, your securities up to $500,000 worth or cash up to $250,000 worth from being lost. Now, there's a big difference from being lost and drop in value. What we're experiencing right now is a drop in value. What this really means is that if, say, for example, Betterment were to go out of business, we certainly don't hope that that happens, but if they were to go out of business and you had securities with them or cash with them and they were, quote unquote, to disappear or to go missing, this insurance kicks in to help you to make sure that you have those securities. They will replace the number of securities, not necessarily the value. They will replace the cash that you had there up to $250,000. 
then the uh, banks likewise also have insurance called FDIC insurance. And this will protect you for up to $250,000 worth of cash that you have in your checking and savings accounts, most money markets, and, and then of course CDs. So how can you reduce your risk? Well, you're already doing one of our first recommendations, and that is to diversify the brokerage firms that you use, having at least two, but it sounds like at this point you already have three. Next recommendation is to don't assume more risk than you need to simply because of your age. We encourage you to start investing more in the stock market, diversifying and getting more into uh, CDs and bonds. But there's a likelihood that whatever advisor you talk to or what most people will say to you, because of your age, you can invest aggressively. Well, you don't maybe necessarily need to. So invest more, but don't necessarily invest aggressively, at least not beyond what you necessarily need to do. And then our third recommendation is to diversify amongst your asset classes. So whether um, so, if you're already in the stock market and you're in cash, it's great. Even though you're not a homeowner and it doesn't sound like you want to buy a home anytime soon, that doesn't mean you can't invest in real estate through things like a real estate investment trust. The real estate market continually does well as well over time. Um, and that's a great way for you to diversify among asset classes. So consider that as a, uh, as a way to diversify and reduce your risk of your portfolio overall. So thank you, Alyssa, again for your question. We really appreciate it. We hope that our seven suggestions here provide you with some direction, but most importantly, set those goals. Pick a direction and start funding it with your excess money. Cheers to you for thinking ahead. Thank you for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here's your Queer Money takeaway for this episode. As Allegra Brantley said on episode 197, the biggest changes come when you identify your goals and write them down. So take some time this week. We've got a lot of extra time, especially if you're sequestering yourself in your house, to create one to three short, medium, and long-term goals. Write them down and share them with someone. You'll start thinking about them and put the wheels in motion to start making them happen. We make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtforyouguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group. And who knows, we may answer it in an upcoming episode. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtforyouguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. Remember, the foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score powered by Experium Boost and watch your credit score improve between 5 and 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. If you or someone you know is in or near Denver on Thursday, June 13th, go to queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour to reserve a spot to win amazing swag, including our very popular bride sunglasses, free coffee, and of course, an hour of Queer Money Bingo hosted by yours truly. That's queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour.